We're going to look this morning and begin in Psalms um, chapter 86. Again, um, kind of a prayer that should be our prayer. Uh, again, uh, we want so many things in this world and most of the resolutions that are made are, are physical ones. I, I want to lose weight. Um, I want to spend less money. Uh, I want to do this. I mean, we, we, it all it's just physical. But how many people deem to be stronger in faith um, and want to be what God wants them to be? You know, listen to what David writes. It says, teach me your way, O Lord, and I will walk in the truth. The only way that you can walk in truth is if God teaches us. There is only one truth. There's only one way. And that way to God is through Jesus Christ. He says, I am the door. Uh, you know, he, he said he didn't say that he was a way. He says it was he was the way. And he says, I am the truth and I am the life and I bring life to man. I bring the light down to man that they would be enlightened so that we would know the ways of God. You see, we have come uh, in our religious world uh, deciding what God would say and and, and us adapting those as God's words instead of what God says. God's word will never be pleasing to the flesh. It will never um, uh, make us feel comfortable with who we are. Uh, but it can bring us to a place of comfort with God and peace with God. And that's what the purpose of the truth is. Is so that we know. You have to know who you are. And God's word tells us who we are and what we are. And until we grasp that truth, we can't become who he wants us to be. But religion overshadows that and allows us to do certain acts that in our own minds convince us that we are, uh, have a relationship with God and that we're okay with God. And when we die, we're going to go to heaven. Uh, he says, I will walk in your truth. I mean, there's a difference in going to heaven and walking in God's truth. Um, the righteousness that God gives us uh, and the spirit that God gives us, the Holy Spirit, that helper that he says he gives us, helps us to walk in his truth. There is supposed to be an action behind your belief. There's supposed to be an action behind what happened on the cross uh, for us, and that is to walk in God's truth. Unite my heart to fear your name. We have so many divisions in our world today, don't we? Uh, we're divided politically. Um, we're divided by race. Uh, we're divided by, um, you know, our social economic statuses. Um, he says, I don't want to have a divided heart. See, that's the problem uh, with religion. It, it divides the heart and allows you to have your old way of life and your new way of life based on what you can do in your own merit. Um, that's not a united heart. That united heart, uh, there's only one truth, there's only one God, there's only one faith. Um, I mean, even as we look at all the religion and all of the divisions within religion, I mean, your Methodists believe one thing, your Baptists believe one thing, your Catholics believe one thing, your Protestants believe one thing, uh, your Muslims believe one thing, um, your Jehovah Witness uh, believe one thing, your Mormons believe one thing, and yet he, David, is praying for that united heart. United means we all come together as one. The body is supposed to be one. Um, you know, the, as we gather together as the body of Christ, uh, we're to be united, not divided. 
And so, um, you know, that's why, you know, I always preach on Sunday school how important that is because our church is supposed to become united in the teaching of the Word of God to the saints. We should hunger and thirst for that teaching. Uh, not, I don't know where we've come to this conclusion where we can just come at our own pleasure and our own leisure uh, and then God will be there for us. I'm not sure where we got that at. I'm not sure why we as children of God don't have that hungering, thirsting to learn together as a body of believers and we grow together. I'm not sure where this comes from. I mean, just because you come here does not please God. You have to walk in his truth, in faith. You can only please God in faith. And, you, and the righteous man walks by faith. And yet, we somehow have allowed the world to teach us that when we come at our own pleasure and our own leisure, that God is pleased with that and God is not pleased with that at all. If there's not, eventually, at some point in your life, there has to be evidence of what's going on in your life at some point. You can't remain the same. You can't be the same as you were uh, January 1st of 2023 and you're still the same person spiritually as you were because you're not the same physically. <laughs> You've all gotten a year older <laughs> and some of us uh, got different shapes and forms and aches and pains and all that kind of stuff. But see, the amazing thing about this is our body grows older, spiritually we should grow stronger. And I'm not sure that's happening. Uh, in our world today uh, with what's being taught because people for some reason think they can just come anytime they want and do whatever they want and this is being submitted to a lordship what he's talking about is teach me your ways and I'm going to walk in them it's talking about him being lord of your life and you don't get to choose when you come and when you don't come but you make every effort to come and you make every effort to do what the church comes together united to do if I was asking you to do something contrary to God's word, then so be it. Don't do it. But when I'm asking you as a body of believers to come together and we unite ourselves in one Holy Spirit in one accord and you just blatantly are disobedient to God's word, I have no help for you. Unite my heart. Why? So I can fear you. We've already talked about fearing God. And I don't think that we fear Him because our lives don't show that we fear Him. And He says, I will give thanks to you, O Lord my God, with all my heart. Not just with your mind, not with just when you want to give thanks, but we're talking about a total being, 100% committed to giving thanks to oh God for what He's done for us. See, without the new birth experience, you don't have that thankfulness. Oh, there's a fleshly, physical thankfulness that you come in with the religion that we have. It says, oh, thank you, God, for saving us. Thank you, God, for being on a cross, sending Jesus to be on a cross. Thank you for saving me for my sins. But the depth of that is the heart. What's happened to the heart? What's, where's the new nature at that's guiding and directing your life? Uh, where's that at? You have to ask, why am I the same I am today as I was last year? And I will glorify your name forever. Why are we glorifying him? Because he's done something for us that we can't do for ourselves. See, salvation is a miraculous birth. 
not you saying a prayer, not you doing any works, but it's a miraculous event in our lives that gives us a new birth experience, which gives us a new nature, which gives us the nature of Jesus Christ. And the nature of Jesus Christ was to please the Father and be obedient to the Father. For your loving kindness toward me is great. It's not great if you're not a child of God. Matter of fact, the other side of that coin is the wrath of God. And if you're not born again, then the wrath of God is going to come upon you at some point in your life. And you have delivered my soul. Why? What's this all about? Delivered my soul from the depths of Sheol. It's about your soul, about where you spend eternity. It's about going to hell. It's about being separated from God for eternity is what this is all about. And the reason I come and worship is to praise Almighty God for saving me from Sheol. Because I don't have to experience His wrath. He's created in me a new nature. He's given me uh, the authority to be His child. And that comes with incredible amount of responsibility. Which religion doesn't teach that. Let's look at John. Uh, chapter 2 23 through 25 it says now when he was in Jerusalem at the Passover during the feast many believed in his name observing his signs which he was doing so again we get to this point of many people believed in Jesus because of what he did believing in Jesus should lead to that miraculous birth but not necessarily they believed in Jesus because of all these miracles they, he saw. Also, gosh, I mean, somebody raised somebody from the dead. Obviously, that person's got to come from God. That's easy to believe in him, isn't it? Huh? I mean, when you see all of that that he was doing, making the blind see, the lame walk, uh, by George, that, that's pretty easy to believe that he calls himself the son of God. I'd believe somebody like that, wouldn't you? That doesn't make me saved. That doesn't give me the miraculous birth. Believing in Jesus is a step toward discipleship. And it's the discipleship that leads to the salvation uh, that God talks about in his scripture. Not just believing in Jesus Christ. But Jesus on his part was not entrusting himself to them for he knew all men. See this is what makes Jesus different from us is the fact we don't know the hearts of men. I don't know your heart this morning. All I can see is the evidence of what your flesh is exhibiting for what you tell me is going on inside of your life, which sometimes doesn't match up to Scripture. Just because you say you believe makes you only a believer. <laughs> doesn't make you a child of God. And so we have allowed people to believe that just because they believe in Jesus, they're going to heaven and they're not. And because he did not need anyone to testify concerning man. For he himself knew what was in man. See Jesus knew why he came. Jesus knew what his purpose was. Was to not just take us to heaven. But was to create a new creature within us while we're still in the flesh. So we could exhibit the nature of God to everyone that we come in contact with. 
The problem is we don't know what we are. You can't know what you are apart from reading scripture. As Paul said, I didn't know coveting was wrong until I read it in scripture that coveting is wrong. So when you read the Ten Commandments, love the Lord your God with all your heart, your mind, your soul, your strength, you have to have a struggle there. It's easy to say I do that, but does your life show that? Just like I said, if Kentucky was playing tonight, that stadium would be full without 30,000, 40,000 people, ever how many is in that stadium? It would be absolutely full. We won't be full tonight. Matter of fact, there'll be very few people here tonight. The Bible says, seek ye first the kingdom of God, and all these things will be added unto you. So what we're doing tonight is biblical. I want to be worshiping my Lord and Savior and God Almighty because if not, you're just up anyway. Playing games. Eating snacks. You know? God has to take first place. If he's not first placed in your life, then none of this other stuff that we talk about is going to happen for you. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and then all these things will be added to you. We can't skip that. See, we want all the things added to us and God can be wherever he fits into our life. In our busy schedules, we'll just, we don't make decisions that put him first in our life. We just fit him in wherever we're comfortable or whatever we feel like. But he himself knew what was in man. Do you know what's in man? Do you know what's in yourself? Have you been convicted by the Holy Spirit? The conviction of the Holy Spirit is not to shame you, but the conviction of the Holy Spirit is to enlighten you of what's in you. The problem is we don't take the time to find out what's in us. We grab hold of religion. We go on a mission trip. We go do some good deeds and thinking that, wow, by, by not knowing what's in us, we won't be held accountable for what's in us. Jesus says, I'm not entrusting any man because I know what's in them. We're born in iniquity. We're born contrary to the word of God. Our nature has no communion with God at all. There's no desire to even know God other than to self-preservation of, well, let's go to heaven so we don't go to this hell if, even if it exists. There's a lot of people that don't even believe that it exists. They don't believe that there's a God that'll even allow people to go to hell because God is all love. Well, that's all a lie. And scripture will tell you what's truth and what's a lie. But if you're not applying it to your life, if you're not walking in that truth, and if you're not making decisions based upon the righteousness and the truth of God, then I don't know what you have. You don't have what this says you need to have. Let's look at Romans 7, 14 to 25. If there's not a battle in your life, if there's not a fight with the old nature in your life, you've not been born again. You see, if there's nothing attacking the old nature, then you can comfortably live your life into a, in a religious world thinking that everything's okay. And it's not okay. 
Listen to what Paul says, because this is the battle you should have. And if you're not having this battle, you need to ask God, why is this battle not in my life? Why can I live contrary to your word? And just because I don't know what's contrary to your word doesn't mean you're not held accountable to what's contrary to his word. Because he left the word so that you would read the word so you'd know if you're held accountable or not. For we know that the law is spiritual. Okay? The law was spiritual. That first, those commandments that God gave, they were spiritual in the sense to show us that we're spiritually dead. But I am a flesh sold into the bondage of sin. If you are bound in something, then you have no choice but to be there. You can't free yourself from the bondage of which you were born. You have the nature of man, and we, from generation to generation, it's all that's perpetuated is the nature of man. And so you're sold into that. You can't help what you do. But yes, you can help what you do. In the sense that you pick up God's word and you read it and you find what's in you and you begin to become afraid of what's in you so that fear of God is established in you so that you continue in your discipleship until that salvation experience comes. For what I am doing, I don't understand. You see, for I'm not practicing what I would like to do, but I'm doing the very thing I hate. So during that discipleship thing, is like, okay, I read in God's word, I'm not supposed to do this, but I keep doing that, the thing that I don't want to do, I hate doing it. So during that discipleship process, you realize that that, that hatred of your nature comes in, and you hate the very thing that you do, because you don't, I don't understand it, God. I'm believing in you. I'm going to church. I'm giving it my all. But man, I keep doing the thing that I hate doing. What's wrong with me? I don't understand. I don't understand it. And then he goes on to say, "But if I do the very thing I do not want to do." then I agree with the law, confessing that the law is good. But if I do the very thing I don't want to do, then I'm agreeing with the law. So you see, the law shows us what we're doing is right or wrong. It shows us what God says is spiritually correct. See, since we can't keep the law, since God said you're guilty of one part of the law, you're guilty of all the law, so it wasn't the fact that we, how much of it do we keep and how much do we not keep, which determines where we're at. It's the fact that we can't keep any of it, which makes us all fall short of God's glory, and we're all destined to the, the condemnation of God. Uh, we are condemned uh, to die and go to hell separated from God for eternity and that is the condemnation of man that's what you have to look forward to um, if your discipleship that you're doing does not lead to salvation for I know nothing good dwells in me so Paul reading scripture he understands and comes to that conclusion that nothing good dwells in me do we understand that the heart of man is not good do we understand that the heart of man is the problem of every problem that we have? All those 
New Year's resolutions that you want to make are, are a spiritual problem? You cannot deny yourself. And therefore, that's why you have a weight problem, a financial problem, uh, addiction problems. It all goes based to a spiritual problem and you can't do anything about it because you're, you should be in this dilemma hating the very thing that you're polluted by. Nothing good dwells in me, that is, in my flesh. For the willing is present in me. You see, so I, I get to learn and begin to learn that, wait a minute, this is not who I want to be. This is not what I want to be. Okay? But I have no power to make that come about. In the flesh, I have no power to give up the nature that I was born with. See, God says it's impossible for man, but what's impossible for man is only possible with God. For the, for the willing is present in me, but the doing of the good is not. And just backing up what I'm saying. For the good that I want to do, I do not do. But I practice the very evil that I do not want to do. I mean, this is our battle, isn't it? I mean, I'm practicing the very evil I don't want to do. And then you read in 1 John, those that practices unrighteousness is unrighteous, that the child of God does not practice sin. So you see, this, this is a part of that discipleship that we come to that knowledge that I finally want to do what's good, what God, I want to please him, but I have to come to the end of myself knowing that I have no ability to change how I was born. Can't do it. It's impossible. But if I am doing the very thing I do not want, I am no longer the one doing it, but it's a sin that dwells in me. So when that salvation experience comes, he realized that it's no longer him doing the sin, but it's the sin that's in him. So this is the next step of that process of discipleship where now you've received the Holy Spirit. Okay, and then that power of the Holy Spirit is supposed to put the nature to death and that's our battle is that we need to learn how to put that nature to death and allow the Holy Spirit to do that. You can't be a child of God and that by not be in an active process in your life. If you're not continually, daily, seeking to be released from the bondage of your sin, then, and you can live comfortably contrary to God's word in your sin, you see, that thief no longer becomes a thief. That person that covets no longer covets. That person that hates no longer hates. That homosexual no longer is homos practicing homosexuality. You see, this is the part that's not taught, that religion leaves out. 
is there's got to be this in you that wants to do good but no power to do good until the Holy Spirit is in your life that allows you to begin to do good. So if, this is verse 21, I find then the principle that evil is present in me, the one who, the one who wants to do good. So this vehicle, vehicle that I go through life in is called the flesh. And, and unfortunately, and I don't know why, but God chose not to just remove it completely when we're saved. Because I believe he wants us to understand what it cost him to send his son. And there should be a struggle in a child of God's life. See, I'm not one of those preachers that says, oh, bring all your troubles to the feet of Jesus and everything will be okay. I'm saying, bring your troubles to Jesus and your troubles are going to get worse. And the reason it gets worse is because that battle is raging within you where sin is alive and well. But the spirit is alive and well. And you have the responsibility to allow the Holy Spirit to begin to put that flesh to death and that way then you deny yourself. Then you pick up your cross. And follow him. For I joyfully concur that the law of God is God in the inner man. But I see a different law in my members of my body. Waging war against the law of my mind. And making me a prisoner of the law of sin. Which is in my members. We have to understand what this flesh is. We have to understand what this flesh is capable of doing. And once you realize that and God releases you from that bondage and gives you that revelation and that knowledge of who you are and what you are, then you can have the compassion on those others that are lost. That don't know they're lost. We're so easy to jump on and, and start uh, uh, you know, condemning those that are around us or are judgmental around those that are around us that are lost that don't know that they're lost. People that are religious don't know they're lost. People that are, that are just Baptists. People that are just Methodists and Catholics. They don't know that they're lost. They don't know what I'm talking about this morning. About that nature. It's about your nature. It's all about your nature. It's always been about your nature. And God changes that nature. And if your nature has not been changed, if you don't have a new nature living in you, you're not a child of God. And if you don't have the Holy Spirit, then you have no ability to change or the power to change that nature. So it doesn't do any good to make New Year's resolutions. Instead, you ought to pray the prayer, God, teach me your ways and I'll walk in them. And then all of a sudden, you'll start denying yourself the way to come off, the finances will come in check. huh? But you know what the greatest thing will be? You'll come in here worshiping with smiles on your faces and eagerness to get here, not just haphazardly coming in. My responsibility as pastor is to present him as holy. I've read the scriptures what happens if you don't present him as holy. Moses didn't present him as holy and look what happened to Moses. I'm afraid not to present him as holy.
But I see a different law in the members of my body, waging war against the law of my mind. There's a war going on inside you. There's a spiritual warfare that is above us that we don't have a clue what's going on over the battle of your soul. But there's also a war waging, raging in you. Who wins? Well, if you're not in the Word of God and you're not receiving the faith and the power of, of allowing the Holy Spirit to be able to uh, discredit this flesh and kill the flesh, because you can't do it. People that make New Year's resolutions, well, I'm going to read my Bible more. That lasts a month or two. It's not about reading your Bible more. It's not about coming to church more. It's about this nature being put to death by the Holy Spirit and you emulating the nature of God. Twenty-four, wretched man that I am. Oh, wretched man that I am. Who will set me free from this body of death? You see, as he's wrestling and and just confounded by what's going on in his life, this new experience in his life. He's like, wait a minute. I, I know where I want to be, but, but I, I can't make myself get there. See, I can water and I can plant, but it's only God that causes the growth. But you better be watering and you better be planting. You see, you have a, just as much a responsibility to have something to accomplish in your life that you can't accomplish and spend every effort and th to make this happen knowing that you can't make this happen but spending every effort to make it happen. And he remembers. Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ. See, it's God who we thank. Jesus is our Lord. That he was given that authority to be, have Lord over everything and over everyone. But it's thanks to God through Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ was just an instrument that God used to bring salvation to all of us. So then, on the one hand, I myself with my mind am serving the law of God. How do I do that? Because in the other passage of scriptures that I read, it says... That I have the mind of Christ. I have the heart of God that which controls my mind. So on one hand, I'm serving the law of God through my mind because of his heart. But on the other hand, what does it say? I myself with my mind are serving the law of God. But on the other, with my flesh, the law of sin. See, this is not taught anywhere. This isn't taught anywhere. I venture to say you'll never go into another church or hear another sermon that talks about this. When you become a child of God, you're in for a battle. It's not going to be a comfortable one, but you've got to understand what's happening and how to handle it. You've got to remember you're saved by grace through faith. Period. So that's why he thanks God for this. The fact that it's not based on what he does or doesn't do that saved him, but it's based only solely upon God. But once I am saved, 
then I have the responsibility to allow Jesus Christ to be Lord of my life and become obedient to the commands of God in my life through the power of the Holy Spirit. Because again, if you just like he said to the Galatians, who bewitched you, you started out in the Spirit, but now you're trying to finish it out in the flesh. When the flesh takes over, there's always going to be chaos, controversy, uh, depression, condemnation. Because that's what Satan wants. He doesn't want to, you to enjoy or rejoice in this born-again experience. He wants to keep you so confused in your state of being that you don't realize what he just what we just said thanks be to God through Jesus Christ that releases me from all of this and all of this waging of the war and now I can begin to understand what's happening in my life so that when I stumble it's for an enlightenment not to embarrass me not, not, not to cause me to get depressed about it but to then go to God and say, thank you for allowing me to see where I'm still at. See, the problem is we don't like where we're still at. So we put on this face, this, this fake uh, Christian Christianity, you know, this fake Christian. You know, people say always act like a Christian. And I tell people quit acting like Christians. You, you should never act like a Christian. You should be a Christian and act like God. See, People in Hollywood act. See, we're allowing the churches to act like disciples of Christ, but there's nothing to emulate the nature of Christ in them. They do a lot of good works, according to man, but good works apart from the Holy Spirit are not good works at all. If you want to, we don't have time for that message. That's another 30 minutes, uh, and it's time to go, I guess. Folks, I just want you to understand that and Paul says later on in Scripture, I, I haven't laid hold of it completely yet. I mean, just because there's a preacher up here or your teacher doesn't mean we've laid hold of it yet. I battle this every single day of my life. It's getting better. The battle's getting easier. But it doesn't come without wounds. If I don't put on the, if I don't put on the, the the helmet of salvation, the armor of God, you know, the gird your loins with the truth, put on the breastplate of righteousness, uh, the sword of faith, the shield of faith, the sword of the power of God. Uh, if we're not doing that, then we can be wounded. We can't keep blaming God for where we're at when we're living contrary and not putting forth this battle in our life as a primary thing in our life. So I'm not wanting you to make a resolution about this. I want you to pray to God and say, open my eyes and help me to understand who I am. Because what's so important in your life is you find out who you are. Because if you don't find out who you are, you may not be who you think you are. See, it's only God who gets to tell you you're okay with him. It's God is the only one that says you're his child. 
if his spirit does not bear witness with your spirit that you're a child of God, then you're not. I don't care if you're a deacon. I don't care if you're a pastor at another church. I don't care if you're a teacher. I don't care if you have 100% Sunday school attendance. I don't care how much money you give to this church. I really don't care about any of that. As your pastor, I care, where is your soul? And has your soul been saved from hell? 